This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 143. So for this week's topic, I wanted to talk about building your camera system. Now, one of the first things, and maybe the easiest, but maybe not, depends on how much trouble you have making decisions on major purchases, is to choose your camera body. Once you decide which brand to go with, whether it's Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Sony, Pentax, whatever the case may be, once you decide that, then it's a matter of getting the right lenses. Now, in order to figure out what lenses you need, you need to have an idea of what you plan to shoot. Um, first of all, when it comes to the camera body, do you want to shoot crop body? Do you want to shoot full frame? Do you want to shoot medium format? Then you have to decide what kind of photography you're going to do. Are you going to be a landscape photographer? Are you going to do studio portrait photography? Um, there's just so many different types of photography out there. Are you going to be a product photographer? Those will give you an idea of what kind of lenses you need to buy to go with that body that you've decided on. Now, you don't want to spend yourself into debt buying a camera body, especially if you're a photography student or just getting into photography. Um, I shoot Canon as well as Fuji, as I've talked about on previous episodes. And it is easy to, if you do a little bit of shopping around, which I've also talked about in previous episodes, to get a deal on your first camera body. Now, you don't need to have the latest and greatest body when you're first starting out because they can become incredibly expensive. Now, you got uh, various camera bodies in the, in the realm of Canon. You could go with, uh, if you want to shoot full frame, you could go with a 5D Mark II, Mark III, Mark IV, uh, 6D, 6D Mark II. If you want to shoot crop body, you could go with the 7D Mark II, or an ADD, or something like that. It all depends on, again, what your style is and whether you're going to shoot crop body, full frame, or medium format. So you can save money. You don't need, as I mentioned a moment ago, to buy the most expensive camera out there. And cameras are incredibly expensive. A, a new camera can run you anywhere from $2,000 to $6,500 for, say, the 1DX Mark II or Mark III, or the new Sony A1 that recently came out is also $6,500. And you don't need to spend that kind of money when you're first getting into photography. You could easily, as I mentioned a moment ago, you could go with a 5D Mark III if you're going to shoot full frame, or you could go with a 6D Mark II. They're both very capable cameras and a lot more affordable than, say, a 5D Mark IV or a 1DX Mark II or III. 
So if you buy the earlier models, a little bit earlier models, you'll save quite a bit of money and you'll get more quote unquote bang for your buck. Now, you can do this by going to websites such as Craigslist or eBay, and you can buy a great condition camera, you know, earlier model camera. You don't want to get something super, super old, but you can get an earlier model camera for considerably less than you're going to pay for the latest and greatest. Now, to give you an example, um, let's say you decided you could get by starting out with a 5D Mark II, which has been around for quite a few years now, but it's still a very capable professional body and you could probably pick up a 5d mark ii these days for maybe seven eight hundred dollars if you wanted to get the mark three then you're talking a little bit more money because it's a more recent version than the mark ii but you could still have significant savings by not going with the very newest bodies the latest bodies on the market and you're still going to make fantastic images. So whether you're shooting landscapes or portraits doesn't really matter. You're going to get great images. Now, once you decide on your body and the style of photography you're going to shoot, you know, portraits and so on, then you want to look at getting good quality glass. And again, this is something I've talked about on previous episodes, how good glass is a lot more important than having the latest, most expensive camera body on the market. Now, if you are a Canon shooter, you're going to want to try to strive to get their gold band lenses, the USM gold band lenses, which are their Middle of the road, they're higher quality than their low-end plasticky lenses, which are the silver band lenses, and they're not as expensive as the L lenses, which are the red band lenses. Now, if you can afford the L lenses, then yeah, go for it, but you can easily start out using the gold band lenses, which is what I did when I was still a photography student. I bought the gold band lenses because they were more affordable and still had great image quality, considerably better than the very low-end silver band Canon lenses. And if and it's the same no matter what camera system you go with. All camera manufacturers will have two or three different levels in quality and expense uh, lenses for their platform. It doesn't matter if it's Sony or Nikon or Fuji. They all do it. Um, and that's so that they can offer consumer-grade lenses that are more affordable for hobbyists and amateurs, and then mid-level lenses, and then their top-of-the-line lenses, which are generally for your professional photographers, people that shoot and earn their full-time living as a photographer. So, and as I mentioned in the previous episodes, there's plenty of ways that you can get good deals on lenses. You can, again, you can find them on Craigslist, you can find them on eBay, you can find them on Facebook Marketplace, you can even, if you have them in your area, find them a lot of times in local pawn shops and get a good deal. Uh, especially because a lot of times pawn shops don't realize the value of photography gear. They'll frequently take the stuff in on pawn and then it gets forfeited. But then when they go to put it out to sell, they a lot of times don't realize what they have. And I've gotten some incredible deals at pawn shops because they didn't realize what they had. And I've talked about that in previous episodes. I, year, quite a few years back, went to a local Cash America pawn shop, and I found uh, one of the first generations of the Sigma 12-24 to in the Canon EF mount uh, 
And at the time, that was a $1,200 lens. And I bought a copy of that lens in a local pawn shop for like 300 bucks. And I shot with it for a while. Um, I enjoyed it. It wasn't as good as the newer 12 to 24 Sigma art lens, uh, but it was an okay lens. Um, it did have some vignetting issues, even though it was a lens that was advertised as being made for Canon full frame cameras. It did have quite a bit of vignetting when you put it on a full frame body. If you shot it on a crop sensor body, then it was fine. But I actually shot with that lens for several months and then turned around and I put it on Amazon and sold it for like $1,000 and I'd only paid 300 to buy it. Uh, so I made a lot of money off that lens just because the pawn shop that I bought it from didn't realize what they had. So there are plenty of ways that you can save money on your cameras and lenses. Now, you can also, if you don't know for sure what lenses you want to go with, if you have an idea of, of what you want to shoot, but you don't know what glass you want to buy, instead of buying immediately, go to somebody like the good folks at LensRentals.com or BorrowLenses.com and rent some glass from one of those companies. You know, you can pay... A small amount of money, usually depending on the lens, it can be fairly reasonable. It could be as low as 50 or 70 bucks to rent a lens for a week, and it could be more expensive. It just depends on the expense of the lens itself. If it's a higher quality lens, of course, you're going to pay a little more to rent it. But it'll give you the opportunity to try that lens and see if it's going to fit your needs and your budget. And then if that's the case, now I'm not sure about borrow lenses because I've never personally gotten gear through them or rented gear from them, but I've done quite a bit of business with lens rentals and you can rent the lens. And then if you like it and want to keep it, you can buy it from them. So, and you can save some money that way because the lenses that they previously rented to other photographers, especially if it's one they've been renting for a while, you know, it's an item they've had in stock for a while and they've rented it quite a few times. You can get a bargain on buying it from them and get yourself a good quality lens for a discount, which is always a good thing. Anytime you can save money as a photographer, that's always a positive thing. And it's going to help you out in the long run until you get, you know, on your feet, until you get your business up and running. If you're going to be a professional photographer, then, you know, any way that you can save money when you're getting started out, I always tell people, Buy affordable gear that will do the job that you need it to do. And then when you start making money with that gear, then you can look at upgrading down the road. But as I've said before, don't upgrade just because something new came out. Don't try to play this keeping up with the Joneses game. You want to use what you have until it gets to the point where that gear is holding you back. Now, primarily, that's going to relate to the camera bodies. The lenses, I mean, to be honest, lenses don't really stop working. I mean, you can buy, let's say you bought um, the 70-200 Mark I version of the Canon lens, you know, white lens, L-band luxury lens. Well, just because that lens is quite a few years old now and they've come out with the Mark II and the Mark III doesn't mean the Mark I is a useless lens. It's still going to make amazing images. Lenses tend to hold their value 
far better than bodies do. And that's because of the fact that the lenses don't really go bad as long as they're taken care of. That lens is going to continue to perform. So that is another thing to keep in mind. And that's why you want to buy better quality glass, because when you buy the better quality glass, you're making an investment, but you're going to be able to continue to use that glass for many, many years. And to be honest, I know a lot of professional photographers that are still using older L glass, or if they're a Nikon shooter, older Nikon glass or Sony glass, just because it gets the job done and it still makes amazing images. They don't see the need to run out and buy every new revision of a lens, especially if it's an expensive lens, the the top level lens from their manufacturer. They don't see the need to go out and buy a new one every time a new model or a new version drops. They'll keep using the one they already have to make sure that they get their money's worth out of that lens. So, I mean, if you think about it, you know, as an example, the 70 to 200 2.8, let's say in the EF mount, that's a $2,000 lens right around there. Well, if you buy that lens, let's say you buy the Mark III, the latest model, for $2,000 or $2,200, whatever the case may be, you're going to be able to use that lens for a long, long time and easily get the return on your investment. So even if down the road, you know, you buy another camera body because your old one stops working or your current body is no longer giving you what you need for your, for your photography work or your artistic vision, then your future cameras, that lens is still going to work with them. And again, it doesn't matter if you start out shooting DSLR and then later switch to mirrorless because all of the major manufacturers that have done both DSLR and mirrorless, whether it's Canon or Nikon, they've created their own adapters for their older lenses to use them on these newer bodies. So even if you have the 70 to 200 2.8 Mark II or Mark III and you started out shooting with, let's say, a 5D Mark III, and a year or two years down the road, you decide to go to the R6 or the R5, you're going to still be able to use that EF mount lens just using the Canon adapter, one of the EF to RF adapters that Canon offers. And they have three of them. They have the one that takes the drop-in filters. They have the one that has the control ring built in. And then they have just the basic adapter. So... You've got three of them to choose from at different price points and different capabilities, different features and functions. But as I said, that lens does not stop working just because it's a number of years old. Now, when I first got into doing real estate photography, I used the Canon EF 17-40 F4L. And that's a lens that's been around for a considerably long time. But it makes great landscape lenses and it's great for real estate work so i didn't see the need to replace that lens for a considerable amount of time and then i did eventually when i went to canon r bodies when i went to the rf mount just because i could go with the rokinon 14 millimeter 2.8 and get an even wider field of view for my real estate and landscape work but also get something that was even more compact and lightweight so I went that route, but I sold my 17 to 40 to another photographer and he's still using it. He's been using it for, uh, since he bought it off me for over a year. And I had used the lens for four or five years before that. 
So like I said, the lens doesn't stop performing as long as it's taken care of just because it's an older lens. It's still going to make fantastic images for you. I'm going to take a break right here and then I'll be right back with you. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. All right, and we're back continuing in this week's episode on building a system. Now, another lens that I had for a long time, and I had it to use for on the occasions when I did portrait work, and I didn't do a lot of that, was the 85mm f1.8 USM portrait lens. Now, this is another great lens, and a lot of people will actually tell you, uh, especially back in the day, that the 85mm f1.8 gold band portrait lens was better was a better lens than the 85 millimeter f 1.2 l uh canon with their 85 millimeter 1.2 l and then even later with the l mark ii they had quite a few issues with the l lenses they weren't as fast at autofocusing and they were a little soft in making images especially when wide open so it was generally a better deal a better use of your money to get the 85 millimeter 1.8 gold band lens because it would make better images than the L lens did and its autofocus was much faster and the nice thing about that was the 85 millimeter f 1.8 was like a $350 lens brand new where the 85 1.2 was a couple of thousand dollar lens. So <laughs> you could save a substantial amount of money by getting the gold band lens and get actually better use, better service, better uh, portraits with the gold band lens than you could with the 85 1.2 L. So I used that particular lens for quite a long time. And I have parted with it since. And I've been trying to decide if I'm going to get another 85 Canon lens. I currently have a Rokinon 85mm 1.4 manual lens that is a fantastic lens. Uh, but I've been trying to decide if I'm going to get one of the Canon R-mount lenses or not. Uh, Canon did earlier this year release an 85mm uh, STM silver band lens that can also do macro. Uh, I believe it's an F2 like my 35 uh, STM for the RF mount is. And that's a reasonably affordable lens. I think it's like $600. And of course, Canon does already have two versions of the 85 1.2L available in the RF mount. They have the standard one, and then they have a DS uh, model, which I don't remember off the top of my head what it stands for, some sort of smoothing or something like that. But again, those lenses are super expensive, so I haven't pulled the trigger on buying an actual Canon RF mount 85mm lens just yet. Now, my wife and I are getting ready to move to North Carolina by the end of this month, April, 
of 2021. And I'm seriously considering the possibility of opening my own portrait studio once we get up there. And then at that point, I may decide to get one of the, uh, I may decide to get the 85 1.2L. I just don't know yet. Uh, because again, it's still a fairly expensive lens. It's the latest technology for the R mount and so on. And I don't really know if I'd want to go and get one of the EF85s and use the adapter. Just because, like I said, the 285 1.2Ls in the EF mount were, weren't were that great of lenses. They did, Canon did later come out with an 85 1.4L with image stabilization that was a much better lens than the EF mount. Um, a lot of people were much happier with that lens than the 1.2 models. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to go that route yet or not. I just haven't decided. I'm also kind of waiting to see if either Sigma or Tamron are going to start releasing RF mount lenses. There's been talk that both of them are possibly going to start making RF mount lenses this year um, in 2021. I don't know if they're going to or not. We'll just have to wait and see. But I'm going to have to make a decision at some point in the near future. So, again, it's just something that I've been thinking about, something I've been pondering. So, going forward, I may go with one of the, with the RF 85 1.2, or I may just hold off for a little bit longer because I do get very good results with the Rokinon 85 1.4 that I have now that's a manual-only lens. And I think Rokinon actually did come out with an autofocus version of their 85 millimeter 1.4, just like they did with the 14 millimeter 2.8 that I used for real estate work. When Rokinon released their first 14 millimeter, they only offered it in, in, in an all manual model. Um, so it didn't have any electronics in it of any kind. And then about a year later, they came out with the autofocus edition. And I believe they did the same with their 85 millimeter. They came out with the manual first. And I believe now they do have an 85 1.4 AF model. So I might even look into that possibility because of the fact that the AF model from them would be considerably cheaper than from Canon. And even though it wouldn't be a 1.2, it'd be a 1.4. That's still more than adequate for portrait work. Uh, there's not a huge amount of difference between a 1.2 and a 1.4 as far as light gathering capability. There's a little bit, but not a tremendous amount. So I may go that route. But that's what I wanted to talk about this week was building your camera system, getting the body, deciding on your body, you know, depending on which manufacturer you want to go with, which system you like best, which menu system you prefer. That's all subjective. Um, but once you decide that, then you can decide, you know, how to be cost conscious when buying your first body or your first couple of bodies. Now, that's another reason why I frequently tell people to go with an older model body instead of the latest and greatest, because let's say you're starting out and you want to do wedding photography. Well, you can get two bodies with dual memory card slots. If you get a couple of, uh, you know, 5D Mark IIs or Mark Threes, you can buy two of them for a considerable deal, you know, a considerable bargain in comparison to buying the 5D Mark IV or the EOS R5s. 
um, which would also be great for wedding photography, but they're going to cost you a lot more money. So if you can go out and get, let's say, a 5D Mark III for, if you can buy them used for $1,300 a piece, then for $2,600, you could get two 5D Mark III's instead of spending $3,900 on one EOS R5. So that way you can have a primary camera and a backup camera. Or if you're like me and you're shooting, you'd like to have one body equipped with one lens and one body equipped with another lens you could have a wider lens on your second body for group photos at a wedding of the bridal party and all of that and then you could have the primary body equipped with like an 85 or a 135 portrait lens for getting the shots of the bride and groom together so it's definitely a lot smarter and a lot more cost effective to go with a slightly older model body uh, camera body so that you can buy possibly two of them and have a primary and a backup body and that's going to make your life a lot easier and it's going to allow you to get more done and get more again bang for your buck all right that is going to wrap up this episode 143 of the liam photography podcast Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, and also remember, if you'd like to pick up a copy of my first book, The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia in the Northwest Counties, you can get a signed copy at the liamphotography.net online store or an unsigned copy from amazon.com or barnesandnoble.com. Also, if you'd be kind enough, stop by on YouTube, check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel or the uh, as well as the channels for Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Forgotten Pieces of Pennsylvania. Please give them a subscribe, uh, watch some of the videos, hit like and share out the videos, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new videos drop. And I will see you all again on Sunday.